From the time I was born again in 1975, I had in me the understanding that it's a terribly serious thing to read the Bible. I don't know how that got in me, but I knew that I could not approach the Word of God without having the wisdom of God. As a new Christian, I took my Bible, and on every chapter of the entire Bible, Old and New Testament, I wrote the words, Pray for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Pray for wisdom. For if you read the Bible with your natural understanding, you can bring damnation upon yourself. And I knew it. Therefore, I didn't want to do that. I think it's probably very rare for Christians to pay a respect for the Word of God the way they should. God also taught me at the same time a respect for meditating in the Word of God. For as a new Christian, he took me to Joshua chapter 1. And he showed me many things from that scripture. This was a commission God gave to Joshua who was going to take the place of Moses. But I knew it was for us also. God said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. God is saying to Joshua, didn't I tell you to do this thing? To each of us when the Holy Spirit brings us a word from God, it's the same thing. Didn't I command you to do this thing? Be strong and of a good courage. The only way we are going to be strong enough is by meditating in the Word of God day and night because it that enables us to observe to do according to all that is written therein. It's not a matter of hearing the Word one time and then rejoicing and say, oh, good, and then setting it aside. For the devil will come to tempt you. Did God really say that? The devil will come to make you doubt the word that God has shown you. There was a woman in our church group who received a dream. And in that dream, her husband was reading the Bible. And she was so joyful over that dream because her husband was a scientist, an intellect. To see him reading the Bible was just beyond her ability to believe. But she was thankful. 
But she let the word slip away from her, and she would from time to time become discouraged over what she saw her husband see and do. The discouragement she had would not save her husband or cause her husband to be damned. God's will will be done, but it could cause her her salvation. How? Because she would get so discouraged she couldn't believe what God had shown her. So you must go another way. When you receive a word from God, you keep it before you day and night, and then you have the power inside you through God to act upon that word, to do something appropriate to the word, to what the word instructs you to do. By meditating day and night on the word of God, and that's what God showed me to do. The word of God is the most precious thing that we could ever have on this earth. It is far more precious than rubies or gold or the greatest jewels in the world. There is nothing like the Word of God. I strongly had that concept inside me from the time I was born again in 1975. I still have that concept inside me. But there are many in the churches who do not have that. They will pick up a Bible and lightly read a little bit of it, and they're thinking about a television show they saw last week or something else. Very disrespectful toward the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 11, where, God, where Paul talks about the Lord's Supper, what he's really talking about is eating and drinking the Word of God. It's disguised a little bit for us, sort of like a parable. You have to see it with spiritual eyes. At one point in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says, Let a man examine himself, and so eat and drink this. What he's really saying is you eat and drink the word of God, examining yourself by that which the Word of God says to you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 31, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread, examining himself, and drink of that cup, examining himself, is what Paul is saying. We examine ourselves by the Bible. When we do portions of the Bible, we are recreated in the image of the Word of God, Jesus Paul says, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many die. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged, and we judge ourselves by the Word of God, by what we read in the Bible. 
conforming ourselves to the Word of God by the Bible, with the Spirit of God. We have some very outstanding examples in the Old Testament for us to take heed to and pay attention closely so that we would not be destroyed in the ways they were destroyed. To show us how precious the Word of God is, look at Exodus 25. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. And this is the offering which ye shall take of them. God was going to build the Ark of the Covenant. It was very specifically designed. The materials that he was building it from were gold, silver, brass, blue, purple, scarlet materials, fine linens. The people were to bring this offering to him to build the Ark of the Covenant. Now, what are they going to put into the Ark of the Covenant that's so carefully designed? If you had something extremely precious to carry with you, what kind of vessel would you put it in? If you had the Hope Diamond, if you had a great pearl or a bracelet, or another piece of jewelry, or deeds to your property, where would you put it for it's a way to be safe? Where would you put it to carry it, showing it was the most precious thing you had? This is a situation with the Word of God. They are going through the wilderness, and they are going to be carrying the words of God as written out. So God instructed them to build an ark. And he told them exactly how to build this tabernacle. He told them the exact kind of wood to use, exactly how large to make it, to cover it with gold outside and inside. And they're going to put the most precious thing of all in the ark. And this is what the most precious thing was. And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. Verse 16. Can't you imagine the people watching them go through the wilderness and seeing four men carrying this basically small box that's covered with pure gold? They've got it on a piece of wood. They have staves and they carry the staves on their shoulder not touching the box it's that precious can you imagine if a thief had come upon it wouldn't they want to quickly see what was in that box because it showed it was the most precious thing they had of all the things they had this was to be guarded above all things 
That's how serious this was. And God had special people appointed to carry this box. The Levites were in charge of it, the tribe of Levi. And no one could touch it except for them. David was at one point in time moving the Ark of the Covenant. This is, I think, an outstanding story. Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 7. And David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people that were with him from Bele of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelleth between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God upon a new cart, great respect for the ark of God. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeah. And Yuza and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drave, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark, and David and all the house of God played before the Lord on all manner of instruments made of fir wood, even on harps and on psalteries and on trembles and on coronets and on cymbals. Thirty thousand men went to move the ark of God. And with great respect, they set about to move the ark of God moving it to the city of David. And when they came to Nashon's threshing floor, Uzzah put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. It was about to fall. It was slipping. And Uzzah reached up there to steady the ark. Now what happened as a result of this? The anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. It's a bewildering story. God struck this man dead because he touched the word of God, which he was not appointed to handle. It seemed like a good thing, but it was not a good thing. I think people misuse scripture all the time when they go out to football games and carry plaques of John 3.16. I, I find this abominable. This is the work of their flesh. It has to be. There are many times scripture is misused. I used to hate scripture. I really did. I would go into a house and there would be a scripture hanging on the wall. And I really hated it. And God chose me to deal with scripture. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway, I hated it. I used to hate hymns, thinking they were 
musically beneath me. After I was born again, I told my best friend, who was a true concert pianist and much better musician than I, I said, Donna, I find I actually like hymns now. She said, well, so do I. I mean, godly hymns. Some of the hymns are really ungodly and fleshly. But when you can find a true hymn of the Word of God, it's wonderful. At one point, I traveled to Europe with a very fine coloratura soprano. She and her husband had ministered all over Europe. So uh, when I was given two round-trip tickets to Europe, I invited Imogene to go and sing at the meetings, and she set up all the meetings because she knew the ministers over there in Europe and how to do it. I just went from city to city with her kind of leading. But Imogene told me, she said, there are so many ungodly hymns in the churches. There's so many fleshly pieces of music. You have to be very careful in choosing your music because so much of it is just fleshly and emotional. I find that to be the case also. When we enter into religious things, we have to be careful. We have to approach things of God in a godly way. Now, it's interesting to me today because they, God gave them such specific instructions for the building of the Ark of the Tabernacle, which would house the Word of God. As we look at it, parallel to the New Testament, the body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The building of our body that contains the Word of God must be so exact and precise to honor God. If they honored God by the building of the tabernacle to carry the Word of God and our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, to carry the word of God, how can we be going out and doing ungodly things and being fit to carry the word of God? To try to carry the word of God in such cases to me is incredibly a fearful thing. When we look at three sections of scripture, we see that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, carrier of the Word of God, who dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple are ye? If you read about 
the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament and how carefully they had to build it and how it was covered inside and out with pure gold. And you think about you are the temple of God. How in the world can we possibly do the sins of the flesh? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, Paul says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate homosexual, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Going out there and learning the ways of this world, abusing ourselves with mankind, with their wisdom. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. A little further down in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul was speaking to the ones who were committing fornication with prostitutes. Paul says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the member of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. Paul shows us here clearly that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. It is a sin different from all other sins that you would do. Then Paul says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. As they built the tabernacle to specification, to put the word of God inside the tabernacle. We build ourselves, our own body, to the specifications of the New Testament Bible, avoiding abstaining from the things that we see to abstain from, doing the things that we see to do. We are the body of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of God. The word of God is going to dwell in us. This is a very extraordinary consideration. We are carriers of the word of God. How can we live one way, the way of the world, and carry the word of God? We blaspheme the word of God when we try to do that. As it is pure, as he is pure, as he is holy, so must we be holy. So it is a fearful thing if you're going to misuse the word of God. 
Paul says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many die. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? I used to read this scripture, and I'd think, now when was the last time the Holy Spirit told me something? I was examining myself to see if Jesus was in me. When was the last time he told me something? What was the last thing I remember him bringing to my attention? Then when I would be reminded of it, I would rejoice because it would be a word that I had heard rather soon, and I knew Jesus was still in me. I often did this. Know ye not that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Now, if you're a reprobate, you're someone who didn't want to keep the word of Christ in front of you so that you went off on your own direction. We read about being turned over to a reprobate mind. We read it in Romans 1. Verse 26. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They did not want to keep the word of God before them day and night. Their televisions and the stories enticed them, and they just wanted to Quickly read the Bible and get on to something more interesting. I've known people like that. I've even had people say that to me. These people have fallen away. And I believe been turned over to a reprobate mind. I've seen people start out with great enthusiasm. Only to see them 10, 20 years later. Not be interested all at all in the Bible or things of God. When you allow yourself to drift that way, the Bible becomes uninteresting to you. But when you see a scripture, it's the Holy Spirit bringing it out, the life comes back. So many people just go through the motions of going to church, thinking that that will make them fit for the kingdom of God because they attended church. Many of the churches have fallen away from the Word of God and have set up other doctrines, Antichrist. And the people who have the idea that they go to church and make themselves worthy will be swept away in the judgment. Those who love the Word of God and fall down before the word of God, doing the word of God, are the ones that will be saved in the end. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus says, He that overcometh 
the same shall be clothed in white raiment. We overcome every time we choose to go in the way of the Word of God, putting our own fleshly desires to death by the Word of God, keeping the flesh crucified by doing the Word of God. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. We should be able to see by this verse that our name can be blotted out of the book of life if we fail to overcome. There are a great many dead Christians today who sit in churches as if they are living, but there's no real life in them because they do not follow the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said in the end time, because iniquity would abound, the love of many would wax cold. Do we not see iniquity abounding before us today when we turn on our television sets and we see the way women are dressed and we see the approval of sex outside of marriage and we see women out hunting men to have sex with? When we see all of the sexual problems of the world before our eyes on television, See, we see things today on television they could have never seen in the 1940s because they had censors to keep things moral. Why would they have censors to keep things moral? Because the vast number of people went by a life that was more like the Bible. Today, it is more immoral, so they please man by showing the immorality on the screen, which some of us hate and will not watch. One day I was watching television with a friend of mine, and they mentioned something about R-rated movies. And she said, well, that's what we wanted to see is R-rated movies. We looked for them. I just sat and stared at her. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many toward the word of God, I think that means, shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It's like keeping a fire going in the fireplace. We put another log on the fire, and that stirs up the fire. We poke it with a rod. We do that every time. We read the Bible because at first we may not see anything that catches our attention, but usually something will pop up that catches our attention and we think upon that. And then that causes us to actually modify our life doing it. Keeping that love of the Word of God burning inside of us. He that endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. We should have a very strong respect 
for godliness, for ways of God. I don't want to see sin flaunted before my eyes on television, so I just turn the television program off or change channels. I tend to go back and look at those old black and white movies from the 1940s. Not that they were godly, but they weren't so ungodly. There's a scripture that tells us make not provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust thereof. We have choices. This podcast is about the subject of honoring the word of God conforming ourselves to the Word of God, knowing that we are the temple of God. It's not that building out there that's the temple of God. We are. We are the temple of God. Just look at some of the scriptures that I have stated today in this podcast and pray for God to help you to be conformed to the image of Christ. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.